As you saw on the PowerPoint, my topic is the tyranny of or. That's O-R, or. And we're going to spend some time with the perennial question, am I human or divine? And how does that question align with our teaching in the science of mind of oneness, that God is all that is? How does the tyranny of or, human or divine, affect us, even at times lead to suffering? I am a baby boomer. In the late 50s, when I was in elementary school, we had fire drills, and we had nuclear attack drills. We were taught to huddle under our desks to survive whatever would happen. I found myself feeling like if human beings will do such horrible things to other human beings, I don't want to be here. That's just simply too horrible to imagine. That was part of where a deep belief in what was right and what was wrong came alive in me. I absolutely knew what human beings were supposed to do and all the stupid things that they weren't supposed to do. And that was simply how it was. I also took that judging of others and applied it to myself. I got really clear on what it would look like for me to be a good girl, for me to do all the things I was supposed to do and not do any of the other things. And when I didn't quite, when I missed the mark, I judged myself at least as harshly as I judged other human beings. I suppose that was kind of an okay attitude to have as a child, though it wasn't very compassionate or inclusive. Fortunately, I didn't usually go around telling other people how they should act, though I thought it a fair amount. As I grew into adulthood, I became more compassionate and open-hearted, but I kept some of that self judgment for myself. And I found that it caused to arise in me a conflict, an inner conflict. I'm supposed to be divine. How come I'm acting so stupid, so human? What's wrong with me that I can't be good, be that divine being that I am supposed to be? That's not a happy place to be, and I suspect maybe once or twice in many of your minds or hearts, you've had that same feeling. When I get stuck in a place like that, one of my first go-to places is Ernest Holmes. And he has a lovely, simple statement about oneness. It comes from his book, can I talk to God? In the chapter, The Unity of God and the Individual, he suggests a way to be more at ease with ourselves. 
not efforting to be more godlike because God is all that is. Here's what he writes. We should not separate life from living, spirit from matter, nor divine principle from universal creation. God is all in all. That is, God is and is in everything. Let me read that once again so you can really take it in. We should not separate life from living, spirit from matter, nor divine principle from a universal creation. God is all in all. That is, God is and is in everything. Let's not separate human and divine with that powerful word or. Let's unfold enfold them into the allness of life. A few years ago, I taught a class on the teachings of Jesus. In one of the classes, I invited the participants to help me make two lists, qualities of the divine and qualities of humans. We started with divine qualities, and the words just burst forth. I could barely keep up with scribbling them on the the flip chart. Most of them, and I'm betting all of them, were good, positive qualities. When the flip chart page was full, I turned it over, and we got to what are human qualities. And it took a while for people even to come up with one quality. Sadly, many of them were limiting negative qualities. In fact, often we even use the word human in that way. Oh, they're only human. They can't help themselves. I made a mistake. Of course I did. I'm human. And all of those kinds of judgments about what we think of as human. In this talk, I invite you to see a life that includes human divine as one, as the allness of it all. Don't separate yourself out into a mystical, spiritual entity stepping out of humanity. And don't limit yourself to what you think human is. That's expressions of spirit, all of it, absolutely all of it. We talked in that class about the two lists and how they compared. And people started to see what I'm pointing to in this talk, that maybe there isn't such separation between the divine and the human, that in fact they're different faces of the same wholeness. Yesterday morning, Spirit offered more insight for this talk. It's always on time, which means before 8 o'clock on Sunday morning. I watched an Awaken program with Haben Girma as its guest. 
The first deaf-blind graduate of Harvard Law School, Haben works as a civil rights attorney on behalf of disabled people. A particular section caught my attention. It offered a clear example of how people hold others or themselves as separate, less than, not whole. The interviewer was Vinya Vasu, a woman who has worked in special education for many years. In preparation for the video, she watched some YouTubes of Haben on YouTubes of Haben. Yes, my mind is wandering away. She was most inspired by the videos of Haben surfing and really having a delightful time with the waves. She talked with Haben earlier and knew that Haben didn't like hearing that something inspi- that she inspired someone. But Vinya said it anyway. I was inspired by your surfing. Here's why Haben doesn't like people to say, you inspire me. In too many of those recognitions comes an underlying pity. It's amazing that you are surfing out on the ocean, even though that's what able-bodied people do as a matter of course. It's spectacular that you can do it despite your limitations. What's being celebrated? What's being honored? If, if someone who has physical disabilities is doing something we take for granted, why do we color it by their disability and say, wow, it's great that you cooked dinner tonight. That's amazing. Because that points to our sense that they are less than the full person that, in fact, they are. When someone says to Hobbin, you inspired me, she turns right around and asks them a question. Now that you're inspired, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, the laughter suggests that many people are kind of stunned and don't know what to say. But those people who get what she's saying realize when inspiration happens, action needs to follow. Rather than highlighting something regular that they're doing, celebrate their being way-showers and pioneers, and perhaps... Support them in ways to limit those challenges and systematic barriers, systemic barriers that make it surprising that they can do ordinary things. That's a way to live into your inspiration, not simply going, oh, wow, I never thought someone like you could do that, which is very much not honoring. As I listen to Hobbin's reflections on this topic, I realized she had an attitude that speaks to our human or divine conundrum. Rather than see herself solely through the eyes of blindness and deafness, or solely through the eyes of Weishauer and pioneer, she embraced all of who she is, not separating out the good parts from the bad parts. In the same way, 
we have the opportunity to offer ourselves a self-love, an acceptance, a wholeness, rather than constantly trying to do more, be better, be enough, be this, be that, da-da-da-da-da-da, with this conflict moving within us. Oh, I should. Oh, I didn't. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my heavens. Judging ourselves moment to moment to moment and not simply embracing who we are. With that embracing comes a deep peace, comes a way of settling in that helps us to live in these times without all the grief and anger and despair. When we start to soften our judgments of ourselves, we can come to this deeper peace within. We step into more self-acceptance and self-love. Last month, the theme was Love Out Loud, and the book of the month was Bell Hooks, All About Love. She has a sweet commentary on self-love. One of the best guides to how to be self-loving is to give ourselves the love we often dream about receiving from others. There was a time when I felt lousy about my over 40 body, saw myself as too fat, too this, or too that. Yet I fantasized finding a lover who would give me the gift of being loved as I am. It is silly, isn't it, that I would dream of someone else offering me the acceptance and affirmation I would not give myself. Soften the divide between spiritual and human. Move into the allness of life. I began my talk with a memory from my childhood that set up an internal and external expectation of how life should be. That story was alive in me to talk about because the recent current events have so triggered me that I was off the charts angry and grieving. When something like that happens that feels way off scale with a normal, in quotes, reaction, I do my best to stop and ask myself, what's going on? Why does this event or that event just absolutely get me going? In fact, I invite you, when you notice something relatively trivial causes an explosion of emotion in you, to sit gently and lovingly with it and explore it. I'm proud to say that that was how my story of the nuclear attack training came to mind. And bless my heart, I didn't say, oh, Tara, really? Are you still stuck in that stuff? Instead, I noticed and loved myself up and let it be, rather than getting all caught up in how I wasn't being spiritual. I should know better and all of that junk. I centered in who I was, knowing that 
And though I acknowledged the grief and the anger, I didn't let it carry me away with it. I didn't deny it, but I didn't lose myself in it. I found a way to come home to the allness of who I am. The result for me was a deeper appreciation of my faith in the ultimate unfolding of good. And here is the core paradox in this teaching. We absolutely know that all that is is God, is good, and that there are challenging moments in our human experience. There are challenging moments in these times. Our practice is to bring that paradox into some form of reconciliation that allows for peace within and not the constant judging. Sometimes it's hard. There is a tyranny of the or in the question, am I human or am I divine? Am I doing good enough? When we judge and compare ourselves, identifying what we aren't, how we aren't, all of that reinforces our separation from who we actually are, an expression of the divine. We are that, unconditionally, no matter what. Noticing and criticizing how we fall short of our ideal of goodness doesn't just impact us and our peace. It radiates out into the world. And that same dissatisfaction and conflict can ripple out into the world. We are called to develop an awareness of the allness of life. That does not mean that we accept actions that are out of alignment with our values and what matters to us. We have core values and beliefs. It's an exquisitely paradoxical acceptance. Acceptance from deep compassion and a sense of those values that aligns with the allness of life. We've talked about this before. When we want to make a stand about something, we don't just rush out and protest or make a poster or issue something. We first center within, and then from that inspired place, we take action. We are called in these times, in all times, to see human and divine within all that is, not in opposition. That centered awareness calls us in loving, non-judgmental ways to stand for who we are with trust, faith, and love. Peace and grace come forth from this place beyond right-doing and wrong-doing. I'm not always able to achieve it. 
That's not because I'm flawed. It's because for a moment, now and then, I get caught up in the comparison, the expectations, the misconceived ideals. But that's not really who I am. There is a lot going on in the world right now that is incredibly difficult. What have I come to for myself? There is work for me to do. I look within for ways to be at peace and in love. Not as I am supposed to be, not as I could be if only whatever. As I am. I believe that's our calling in these times, to come deeply into peace and self-love within. Quit fighting ourselves. Release the judgments the comparisons, all the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, with love and peace. In that place, there is a sense of allness of it all, not a sense of this or that, good or bad, or any of those other polarizing ors. We stand in love. We stand in peace. As we are. In closing, I want to read a poem from a friend and colleague of mine, Rabbi Erwin Keller. Though it was written as a response to current events, I believe it calls us to be fully who we are, standing in what matters always. It's called Taking Sides. Today I am taking sides. I am taking the side of peace. Peace which I will not abandon even when its voice is drowned out by hurt and hatred, bitterness of loss, cries of right and wrong. I am taking the side of peace whose name has barely been spoken in this winterless war. I hold peace in my arms and share my body's breath, lest peace be added to the body count. I will call for de-escalation even when I want nothing more than to get even. I will do it in the service of peace. I will make a clearing in the overgrown thicket of cause and effect so peace can breathe for a minute and reach for the sky. I will do what I must to save the life of peace. I will breathe through tears. I will swallow pride. I will bite my tongue. I will offer love without testing for deservingness. So don't ask me to wave a flag today unless it is the flag of peace. Don't ask me to sing an anthem unless it is a song of peace. Don't ask me to take sides unless it is the side of peace. Let us move into prayer.
Breathing in deeply and breathing out. Knowing the wholeness, the allness of life, its love, its power, its healing, and its creativity. All that is, is life. That one beyond limits, beyond form, beyond time, everywhere present, within, around, and through each one of us. us. It is expressing in, through, and as me in my unique gifts and ways. As that is true for me, it is true for everyone hearing these words. Each of us is an expression of the divine. Each of us is in that allness of life. No exceptions. Knowing this wholeness, I know for each one of us the unfolding of a sense of ease and peace and grace within as we embrace our wholeness, our uniqueness, our amazing variety, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it in the fullness of life. For that is the truth of our being. All those ideas that say otherwise simply melt away as the dew melts with the morning sun. As I know into this, as I celebrate this, as I feel its truth resounding within, around, and in all that is, I simply say thank you. I release this word of reminding myself of truth, knowing it already so. And so it is.